You get your wish. Dragon training. You start in the morning. Oh, man, I should have gone first. Uh... Hello and welcome to I Can't Believe It's Not the Mouse, the podcast all about animated movies, not... <laughs> Fuck. Yahoo. <laughs> what? I can't believe it's not the mouse. Yeah, but he doesn't say Yahoo. That's that's Mario. Yahoo. It's not the mouse. <laughs> okay. Uh, the podcast all about animated movies, not from Disney. I'm your host, Octaviano Macias, and today I'm joined by a guest. Oh, I am Adi Palacios, and I am also an animator and story writer. Got nothing for you, bud. I'm sorry. That's perfectly fine. It's, it's better than the last time I had someone dancing on here. I gotta outplay them. Well, I can't really see you, so that's pretty much impossible to outplay them. Use your, use your imagination. I don't think I want you to use your imagination. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick your head in the editing process. I'm gonna stick your head on top of the most embarrassing dance I could, I could find then. Do the, the Kermit strip pole dance. The who? Kermit the Frog. I don't think I want to see him strip pole dancing. Are you sure? Yeah. All right. So, anyways, uh, we are here talking about the animated movie How to Train Your Dragon, one of DreamWorks' most beloved animated features. For those of you who have never seen it, somehow, it's a movie uh, starring Jay Baruchel as Hiccup a Viking in a land full of Vikings who hunt dragons, encountering his very first dragon and training him, like the title says, uh, pretty much just as a friendly way, but eventually they find out some stuff. There's some bigger dragons out there. There's some more danger. There's a reason why the dragons are attacking the people. Jacob must pretty much come together with his dad. It's... Your typical story, but it does throw in some stuff that is unexpected from these types of movies. So that's what makes it really stand out, even though it is a pretty generic story. Once you look at the basics of it, and yeah, there's there's of course a lot of reason why this has stood out for for years for for a lot of people because at that time DreamWorks was mostly known for doing comedies uh movies that had a lot of pop culture references just a lot of stuff that gave it a pretty bad reputation i mean not all their movies were like that but enough were that it it it, um painted them pretty badly so when this came along and it was just this story this fantasy story that didn't really rely on pop culture humor was fairly serious about what it was doing it ended up capturing a lot of people's intention and it spawned a big franchise. And believe it or not, it's based off of a book. But um, yeah, unfortunately, there's there's not a lot uh, in common with the book and the movie, but I don't think anyone would notice. Yeah, I mean, I've never even read the book. The only thing I know is that apparently Hiccup is supposed to be younger in the book. Uh, I think from what I've read... He's um, right from the beginning. He was actually friends with um, one of the other Viking kids that shows up in this. Um, but yeah, I, I've never really heard much that was actually in common with the book, and it, it doesn't seem like anyone really cared all that much. Like not not to disrespect the books, I'm sure they're fine. It's just it, it's one of those things where sometimes you just take the idea, take the name, and just take it in your own direction, and it 
ends up working in its favor. No one seems to be mad about it. Like the creator of the book seems fine with it. I mean, it honestly works out. So when when you first saw this movie, did you mostly have positive reactions to, towards the outcome of how the movie turned out? Or did you expect more from it? I was mostly positive towards it. I mean, to be fair, I wasn't really interested in, in this movie when it uh, was coming out, like when the trailers were popping out. I, I just thought like, okay, this looks generic. I didn't really know who was involved with it until it got closer um, that it, that I realized like, okay, it's got the director and co-director of um, Lilo and Stitch, who at that time was fresh out of um, Disney because uh, originally he was supposed to be doing another movie called American Dog that eventually became Bolt. Uh, he was kicked out of that. There's a lot of arguments over why exactly that happened, but it just didn't work out. It's pretty much the, the main idea. Uh, so, yeah, he went over to this, uh, to DreamWorks, did this movie, and yeah, when, once I found out that he was involved and I started hearing more positive reviews coming out, I ended up going to see it. I mean, I think by the time I saw it, it was probably like three or four weeks into it, which uh, even then it was a, a big surprise just because I think this was one of the rare movies that actually um, had strong staying power. Because I remember it um, did it pretty well on its first week and then the following weeks, even if it wasn't always at the very top, it was consistently making money, which is not a very common thing um, in recent years. Oh, I see. Well, in my case, um, I'm a real big fan of Monster Hunter. Um, that came out back in 2004, the video game. So oh, when I saw movie. that there was a movie about, like, you know, dragons, I was like, oh, shit. You know, this, this movie about fantasy and dragons, I hope there's like a lot of action, a lot of fighting. And when I saw the movie um, and I saw that, you know, it's how to train your dragon, it, I wasn't disappointed. Like, you know how a lot of the times when you read a book, like how to be a spy, it's nothing yeah. about that. It's just like a guy's story and blah, blah, blah. You don't learn anything. But in the movie, they give you sort of these fantasy like advice on how to train a dragon. Right. And you see the, the character learning these things. Um on his own after actually, you know, taking care of a dragon. Right. So honestly, this movie's really great on that aspect. Um, it didn't disappoint. We got to see a bunch of dragons. We got to see a lot of action and yeah. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to the dragon training, that's, um, I mean, that's something I noticed even back then, but rewatching it uh, now um, years later, it's something that's um, very interesting about it because there's not a whole lot of movies that actually focus on like the training aspect or like the, the, the actual progression of characters um, learning how to work with whatever, um, like say powers or uh, creatures. Cause this is pretty much a, a, what's known as a boy and his dog movies. Like we've seen different vari variations on this. Uh, we've had, you know, ET, which is boy with his alien or, uh, on a, another animated movie there was like the good dinosaur where it was a dinosaur and a boy so it was a reverse on it in this case a boy and his dragon you do see like the slow progression of like okay he's learning how to work with toothless and it's not like this one thing where it's like okay within minutes they're already good because a lot of movies always go like okay let's have a montage and that's already the progression like with this one you see for like the first 50 to yeah like about 50 minutes to an hour 
you see how exactly Hiccup learns to work with with Toothless. Like um, he learns, of course, automatically that Toothless is not good good at flying. But it, it's not like okay, in the next scene he already has it perfectly. It takes a few um, different uh, moments. So that that I appreciate. It's um, very different in that regard from a lot of other movies where they skip over how exactly the struggle was um, to get to where they were. Yeah, because there, there is that sense of responsibility that Hiccup fe- felt as soon as he saw that he hurt the dragon. Because he, I think he mentioned it in the movie once where he's like, you know, I saw myself in him. Yeah. So in a way, he's he's helping Toothless in a way that somehow his family and his town wasn't able to help him where they just want him to change Tooth, uh, Hiccup is actually, you know, going through the process of taking responsibility for what he did, taking care of this dragon and in the process kind of learning about it and how everything in the book is wrong and how he, the dragons aren't really what they seem. Right. And yeah, I, I think that's what really shines through this movie. Just like that. Yeah. He, Oh, um, you know, <laughs> that sense of responsibility that he as a person needs to face. While, like Astrid mentioned, I think in the movie, she said, you know, any any other person in this village would have just killed him. But mm-hmm. Hiccup was the only one who actually put the effort into helping this thing out. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of goes along with... Um, Another thing I wanted to mention in terms of just this movie doing like things differently is that it, it really does feel like a generic story when you just lay it out. Um, but it's just the, the little ways that they change it up a bit, like whether it's um, going more into detail of how exactly um, Hiccup and Toothless work together as a team or having him actually explain like why he, he saved them he let um toothless live and instead of just being like oh because he was a helpless creature he at least explains like okay i saw myself in him um that's not something that you often hear in these kinds of things um but there's also uh because like one of the main things about the movie is that you have um um, not toothless um pickup uh struggling to connect with his dad um and it's like the typical story that you always get in these movies where it's like okay the, the father is doing one thing Hiccup's doing another thing, but they actually do take the time to acknowledge, like, okay, um, what exactly is the issue between them? Because with other movies, I've noticed that if, um, say, they, they deal with this, if the main character starts doing something that lives up to his father's um, dreams, that's when they have, like, some little connection. Um, it's just that something else will throw it off once maybe their lie is revealed or whatever. And in this movie, there's actually a scene where um, the father comes back, uh, hears that that Hiccup's become like this great um, dragon killer, so to speak. Um, and he tries talking to, to Hiccup because he's like, okay, now we have something to bond over. But by that point, Hiccup's already changed on what exactly he's interested in. So you see the issue being like, okay, there's, they're, um, even though they're technically equals, so to speak, uh, um, from the father's perspective, um, the fact of the matter is the problem was never that like, oh, he needed to become great with dragons in order to um, have them bond because he's still ignoring him. Um, they're not really 
talking, uh, seeing each other eye to eye and talking um, to each other, uh, which of course leads to a, a later scene in the movie where the father basically tells um, Pickup, like, look, you're not my son. After realizing what um, Pickup was lying about. And what I love about that scene so much that, again, just going through how a lot of these movies work, instead of just having him say that, you do cut to him, uh, like the father reacting to having having made that statement. Like you see, he pauses for a little bit, looks heartbroken, but then he continues off of what he's planning to do. So I, I always appreciate when whenever they add those little touches, just to let you know that this is not just your generic story. Yeah, because a lot of times stories tend to villainize parents, but in this case, they're trying to show that, you know, although they may say some things, they still really care about you. And I think that that's what really strained their relationship in the in the movie was not the fact that they didn't care about each other, just the fact that there was a lot of miscommunication yeah. and vague statements where they kind of wanted to hear what they wanted to hear. And so when it came to that point where it was time to be honest with each other and then, you know, I guess he was just too heartbroken and said some things he didn't really mean. So right. that scene you mentioned really, really hit because it's like, oh, no, he actually didn't really mean that. Yeah, and it's, it just makes him a, a more of an actual character because we at least get to know, like, okay, so he's not just saying this to be cruel. He's just saying this because uh, from his perspective, he feels hurt that um, that Hiccup was pretty much lying about all this stuff. So, so again, it just goes into that whole thing where it's like, it's something we've seen before, but just adding in that little moment really makes it feel different from, from a bunch of other stuff that we've seen before. So I, I, I really appreciate that. Honestly, Gerard Butler, who's who plays the father, um, Stoic, um, really sells uh, the character. So, so I really love that. I will say if there's one thing that still kind of bugs me, it bugs me a little bit more watching it now than it did back then. Not enough to ruin the movie is just, uh, and, and I don't know how, do you, how you feel about this, is that when it comes to the adults, all the characters have like their accents. Whether or not it's really accurate to what Vikings would have is not really the point. The point is that they have accents, so it's like, okay, it feels kind of authentic, but then when it comes to the like the, the kids, they all have like the, the regular celebrity um, voices, uh, which none of them are really bad. I think they all fit the characters. It's just that it's kind of awkward going from like, okay, so they're trying to be authentic in one place, but then when it comes to their, they're just like, okay, out the window. Yeah, I noticed that too. Um... I think that's one thing that kind of bothered people. Obviously not enough to be like, you know, this movie is bad, but it it's still a great movie aside from that. Um, I think if you look at the cast, you'll, you'll notice a lot of familiar faces and that's probably why they were cast at, as these kids. Right. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like that it's kind of off-putting to see these kids not have that accent. And it's not like they're in a city and they're exposed to different cultures and different people. They're in an isolated area where everybody has this accent, but for some reason, the kids don't. Yeah, like I, I even joked about this um, after the third one, since by that point, they're already adults. I was like, okay, so even by the end of these movies, they're not really adults because they still haven't gained that accent. <laughs> yeah. But like, um, Sort of initiation. <laughs> Yeah, because I mean, I have no problem with any of the actors that do are in this. I mean, for the most part, they're they're selling their their, their part well. 
is just a little weird, especially considering that. I mean, it, it's not to a point that he's dropping like pop culture references, but um, with Jay Baruchel, um as Hiccup, at times he's um, using like modern day slang, which is not too weird, except that again, going with with the, the adults having like the accent and everything, they don't really use that. Like instead, they'll use like I guess slang from what you would expect to hear from that that place. So it's just like it's just a clashing, like not enough to to ruin it, but enough to be for it's a little distracting um, for the movie at times. Yeah, like would Vikings, you know, refer to their pets or companions as Bud? Right. I, I noticed that a lot in the movie where when he's talking to Toothless, he calls him Bud. But like you don't hear anywhere else, like none of the Vikings talking to each other, like, hey, how you doing, Bud? Or or anything. Like he just it just comes out only when he's talking to Toothless. Is yeah, that but... is that one of the examples? Yeah, that would I would say is like a thing that comes off a little weird because like, like I said, with, with the adults, like at times, like you'll hear the father talking about how pretty much like, um, like using words, like, okay, like praise Odin or Odin help us stuff like that, where it's like, okay, so they're trying to at least keep like the language, at least not, not, of course, not fully accurate. Cause I know there's, there still would be differences, but at least they're trying to make it feel like you're with, with that with Vikings of that period, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas with the pickup, it's just like, okay, he's just using some modern day slang, which not too bad, but it, it's just a little weird. Yeah. Hopefully it still lives up in like the next couple years. Um, Cause I honestly, when it comes to having slang in movies, sometimes it becomes a bit cringy and off-putting, but you know, after seeing it, I think this movie came out in 2010. It's already been yeah. 10 years. So 10 years later, it's it's still a good movie. And aside from, you know, those little small details, it still holds up. It's still a good movie. Yeah, I mean, I think that's mostly... Off-putting. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to, to, like, the whole slang thing, I mean, I don't get too bothered by it because, like, I know some people um want uh their movies to be timeless but the thing you got to consider is that there's no guarantee of how um that phrase even works to to anything because you can say like okay i avoided using any kind of modern tech or anything but then it's like okay but at the same time one or two things that you say might not have the same meaning uh years later like i don't think um a lot of movies from say, like, the 50s um, that used the word gay, ever thought that that would be used to apply someone that's, um, you know, homosexual, which, not a bad thing, but, of course, it does make it weird for people who might, I don't know, be dicks about that kind of stuff. Um, So the whole timeless thing, I mean, it's just never been something that I care too much about. Um, Realistically, when it comes to modern slang bothering me with this is it's really it's, it's less about whether or not it's going to be used years from now it's more that um does it feel natural with the, the setting and environment that they're trying to create yeah because you know at the beginning of the movie you're introduced to the town obviously it's a fantasy type town since he doesn't really specify where it's located but it right. sounds like a real place right um as long as it you know that world is set up 
their vocabulary is set up. It should be fine. Yeah, because, I mean, going with a completely different um, a- animated thing, um, there's that um, Matt Groening cartoon on Netflix, Disenchantment, um, that's also in a fantasy setting. But that one, even though it has like modern-day slang, the reason why I can ignore it there is because, one, they don't try... Um, differentiating it by having like older characters have like the accent and younger characters not having it like everyone's just talking that way and if they're talking in some old-fashioned way it's always kind of a joke so i can accept it there because it's played off for laughs with this since it is trying to be serious about it 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 just becomes kind of weird to follow so i don't know not something that i i you know didn't get too much on it's just it's always weird I, I guess realistically the only reason why i'm going off on it a little bit more here is just one uh re-watching it and noticing it more and two uh so that someday when when i do the sequels i can just ignore that that function since i already said my pace uh, piece here and um just go on the rest of it you look like you work out yeah i think this was their attempt to kind of fix this issue um because i feel like if they would have cast someone with that accent or maybe asked the voice actor to do that accent maybe he wasn't comfortable with it so to kind of even it out they had all the children with this american accent and the adults with the the, whatever accent they have yeah that's that's probably true i mean i know i don't know movies always have to go with any little choices like that just to make some sense of it i mean i know that um for example with wonder woman they gave all the amazonians accents just because um you got wonder woman with the accent so it would have been weird having her be the only one walking around with that accent so they said it told everyone like okay look she's not gonna do um just a, a regular american accent or whatever so you gotta try to mimic her accent um so it's just a little thing i mean uh, whatever i mean Everything else in the movie is fine. I mean, like I said, the story is really good. The animation really holds up. I mean, of course, you can notice the age a little bit just because it has been 10 years and we've seen the sequels improve on parts of it. But it's pretty impressive seeing just what stuff still works. Like a a lot of the flying stuff is great to look at the signs of the dragons. Um, Even the humans don't look as bad as you would expect for something that's over 10 years because you, you can see a lot of detail in um just their skin like they even have like a little piece um on um hiccups face and this is kind of a thing from the second movie where um it's revealed like a, a little scar that he got was from the day his mo- mother was lost you could actually see that in this movie so i don't know if that was in- always intended to be a-, a plan for the sequel or if it was just something that they put in just because they thought it was fitting and then they decided to build on that in the sequel. It's probably built on since it came out in the first movie. Graphic-wise, I, I think it looks fine. It's really pretty. Um, the only differences between this movie and the sequels is just the lighting and even more detail. But if you look at it now, even if you republish this movie and it re- comes out again looking like this... I don't think anyone would complain about the graphics. Like it, it's honestly really beautiful. The character designs were done by the same character designer as Kung Fu Panda. Let me see if I have his name. Nic- Nicholas Marley. 
Oh yeah. So like the the dragons are all like dynamic. They have, you know, the way they're designed is also based on their function. Yeah. They're based off of real animals, so you can see those motifs there. Like toothless looks to be like a leopard gecko and a cat. Right. So yeah, like honestly, um, the ten out of ten graphics. I have no complaints on that. Even the background characters, like since they're not really main characters, even if they look a little underdeveloped, it, it still looks fine. Like right. no one's going to be looking at that background character and being like, oh, you know, he has less polygons than than Hiccup does. You're not going to see him later. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, actually, you know what? One thing that really caught my eye once I rewatched this movie was the fact that even though the dragons are smart, they're not sentient. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, you know how fantasy movies tend to make their animals and their their creatures sentient enough to do human things. Oh, okay. I think I, I think I see what you're, you're talking about. Like, like they're, 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 it's not to a point where they're like one step away from being like an anthropomorphic uh, character, right? Like. They're exactly not. kind of like Lilo and stitch i mean L- stitch is an alien and he was made to be smart so he has these mannerisms that can be anthropomorphic but it plays off because he's an alien but in this movie toothless is a dragon but he's smart enough to try to communicate with this kid that's helping him and knowing that he's being helped but never overstepping it to a point where he might as well just be another person right yeah, I think um, there's this one scene where Hiccup is drawing Toothless on the dirt. Right. And I think the, the directors were kind of poking fun at that because Toothless also grabs a branch and starts drawing in the dirt, but it's nothing. It's just a bunch of scribbles. Yeah. So they're kind of poking fun at, you know, oh, you thought he was going to draw Hiccup, but, you know, he's just an animal, like. He's he he's got his own limit to what he can do, but at least he tried, and which course, is kind of really cute about it. And of course, it's even funnier when um, you have Hiccup trying to react to the to the drawing and he's walking over it. And the second he steps on any of the lines, you have Toothless getting mad at it, almost as if he's like, oh, you're messing with my art. Exactly. Because um, I think dogs do that, where when you try to take away their toy or their bone or their food and they just growl at you right. like it, it's almost com- comedic because you can keep doing that and they'll keep giving you that very same reaction <laughs> with um this movie it's just just a really good representation of characters uh the animation is great i remember seeing this in 3d um back when that was the big thing i mean of course it's still around but most movies don't really care about it anymore it's really just become a thing just to uh, market it to some countries because I know some countries are still really into um, 3D. One of the big ones being China, who's like, currently one of the biggest markets. So if you're wondering why that's still a thing, there you go. Uh, but this was one of the ones where I was like, okay, this is actually really impressive on its use of 3D. I, me personally, it's not something I really need, but it, with it existing, I, I just always appreciate when movies actually at least put the effort of having good 3d without um dragging and taking away from the story like if you watch this in 2d you're not really going to notice 
anything different that you that you would have on the 3D. But if you wa- had watched it on 3D, a lot of the scenes would have just popped up a lot more, popped out a lot more. Like um, the flying stuff is was really great from what I remember. And yeah, it's just a, a visually impressive movie. It's definitely understandable why this is considered to be one of the best DreamWorks movies. Uh, for me personally, it's shy of a few spots from it. I mean, I, I've always been more of a Kung Fu Panda fan but um i I really do dig um the how to train your dragon movies and this one is i wouldn't say it's the best one i I don't know i think the second one now does it a little bit but it's definitely up there agreed what do you think the the main theme of this movie would be like coming out coming out after seeing this movie again what do you think the main theme would be Like, like what do you mean just the, the outcome, you know, like, stop trying to be someone you're not, you know, I don't know, get to know your, I don't know, family, even though you guys don't meet eye to eye. Oh, you're talking about theme. Okay, okay. Theme. Okay, sorry. I, I, I heard you say, uh, like, what's the main thing that would have come out of this? Like, I, th- I thought you were talking about, like, um, like in terms of like, what, what kind of things movies would try to um, rip off of this. Oh, I see. Like, trends or whatever. Okay, so theme i mean uh, when it comes to theme of course movies will have multiple things i mean the the biggest thing with this movie i think um uh, what it's uh really at its center is is just um communication between people because uh of course you have um just, you know right from the beginning the story between um hiccup and his dad um, them not really communicating, so they're pretty much, you know, not able to connect that way. But then that also goes over to um, Hiccup and um, Toothless, because the main way that they were able to work together uh, was through communication, though not in the same way that it would be for Hiccup and his father, of course. And in their case, it was like, okay, um, Hiccup sees um, a creature that's um, just as scared and damaged as he is. So he tries to help it out. And over, over time, they realize, like, okay, this is how this can work. And this is how we can work together to make things better. Um, and, of course, the, that even culminates to another thing that I don't know if the filmmakers were ever really intending. Like, it, it seems like something that, of course, was always foreshadowed. But in terms of this being um, a movie that um, kind of embraces people with, um, I want to, I guess I could, I could say disability on that just because um, you have uh, Toothless who loses part of his tail so he can't fly so well. Um, take a pass to create something to make him fly. And then by the end of the movie, you have Hiccup losing his leg, which mirrors um, Toothless with his tail. And that goes into the sequels where you have characters who um, are missing limbs and you see how exactly they're able to work um, even without the specific lemon that they have. Um, but it all just really co- goes back to communication with people. Um, take up uh, great strength here isn't so much that he is um, strong enough to defeat um, whatever comes his way, but he is um, smart enough to talk his way into getting people to help him out Um and eventually getting others to listen to him. So 
yeah, I would say communications is the biggest theme on this one. Yeah. Eventually he learns how to communicate because in the beginning, obviously he would say things to his companions where he'd be like, oh yeah, you know, I'm got a lot of fury in this little body or like, yeah, I'm, I'm waking up and ready to kill a dragon, but like no one would really listen to him. So it wasn't until he figured out a way to fully communicate what he really wants. Um, but that develops over the movie. Because sometimes he would even lie to right. people. Like, he would try to lie to Astrid, but obviously she kind of saw through that. And eventually he learned how to tell the truth. How to kind of keep telling the truth. And that's how he got people over to his side. Why do you, why do you think they didn't make him lose his leg in the beginning of the movie to kind of have that parallel of both hiccup and toothless coming to terms that they've lost you know this very important part of their body and then overcoming that i mean for me personally that that's the kind of thing that wouldn't have really worked until um the very end just because if like he's already having to um help um toothless out and figure out um how to function um without without part of his tail so having it be with hiccup it, it would seem like it's the movie would be doing double duty on on that kind of stuff um and realistically it just feels like it just feels appropriate especially considering that it's not a very common thing that you see with a lot of movies um family movies especially but it, it's even with with um movies geared toward, toward older audiences where they don't make much of a struggle in whatever they face like with this movie they of course eventually face like the the, the big queen dragon or whatever having it having hiccup actually damaged um from that battle and showcasing that he lost something there at least feels appropriate to me just to showcase like okay there are consequences to um the fights that they that they go on and it's just the whole like okay so you were able to teach um toothless to work with um without part of his body now it's pretty much your turn like you saved the day you did all this stuff but you lost something in the process and now you're going to be learning through it i mean of course i can see the appeal of having him go through it throughout the the movie especially for audience members who who might feel that but i i just think it, it would have worked um it, it just would have always worked best if he had lost it late in the movie like, like it, it is now yeah now that you mention it it wouldn't really be a big thing in that viking culture considering that a lot of them are missing limbs and probably lost it during battle so maybe this is kind of his initiation to becoming a quote-unquote Viking to his village. Right. It all makes sense now. It's just a really impressive movie. Um, honestly, like I said before, it's not surprising that this thing has become as popular as it is. I know that, of course, um, financially, it's it, it would reach um, some struggles once the sequels came in, but that's best um talked about and once we get to those if you decide to come back to talk about those yeah it's just a really good movie it's 
the kind of thing where I'm like, okay, I'm glad that they made this, especially because this really did feel like a a, a marked difference for um for DreamWorks, just because going from here on out, it felt like they were at least trying to experiment a little bit more. Um, they still have the pop culture stuff every now and then, but they're not as focused as they were um, prior to this one. Like some of the movies that would come out after this just completely avoided it to the point that it, it just felt just really different from what they they were known for. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I have much more I can say about this, but I, I just think it's a, it's a really good movie. Compared to what they're making now, like the Boss Baby series, I think this is definitely its peak like <laughs> well, I, I Shrek. Like- Shrek, Shrek is Shrek is I think one of the best movies they've made I mean I, I actually like Boss Baby and Boss Baby 2 so I don't know what you're talking about there <laughs> well agree to disagree <laughs> I mean I okay look at I'll talk about this some other time but we'll have a discussion on this in another time <laughs> but <laughs> I'll, I'll say Boss this much. Baby all you want but I'll say this much Boss Baby 1 it's very creative. Uh, I I think the animation's neat on it. Boss Baby 2, it, it goes down a little bit. I, I won't say that much, but the animation is still really creative on it. So I can appreciate that much. And it does at least take some interesting ideas. It just doesn't fully go on to them. I, I, if I'm completely honest, uh, the one that I didn't really care for as much... Um, for the recent sequels that they they've done, it's um, surprisingly the Croods two, which was the one that I expected to like the most out of the ones that they've done within the like the last year or two. But that was the one that I was like, okay, there was no real advancement of the story, so that was kind of disappointing. But you know, that's that's another discussion. Mm-hmm. So uh, I don't know. Do you have any final thoughts before we we start wrapping this up? Um, unless you want to talk about the characters specifically like how they worked or didn't work then other than that i'm I'm good i mean if you want to toss in like maybe i guess your personal favorite characters i I wouldn't really mind hearing that oh okay yeah in this case i think gobber gobber has to be one of the best characters in how to train your dragon and if for those of you who don't know who gobber is he's the one with the hook the blonde one and the mustache and yeah, he's missing Ferguson. an arm and a leg yeah this guy although he he didn't really see like every other viking did um he didn't really see what was wrong with hiccup he he was the most supportive towards hiccup more of a fatherly figure than his actual dad and he was also a sort of bridge between hiccup and his dad since gobber was the one who spoke to the dad and asked him you know Hiccup wants to do training and the dad was obviously opposed to it because of Hiccup's structure and just the way he is. And But Gobber convinced him to train him the Viking way because, you know, obviously things can go wrong. And if you don't train your son, eventually he's going to go out there and get hurt. So Gobber convinced the dad to let Hiccup do training. But Gobber was also the one you know, telling Hiccup, you know, stop trying to be someone you're not. You know, if this is you, then just be you. Like, even though a running joke throughout the movie was like, you know, stop being all this. Yeah. And then, you know, oh, you pointed to all of me. Gobber was probably the most supportive 
for both Hiccup and his dad. Like he was a father figure towards Hiccup and a really good advisor to the dad and a really good friend in that final battle where, you know, the dad was going to sacrifice himself so that everyone else got away. Gobber was there to be like, you know, I you're not alone. I'm, yeah, I can I can help you out too. Yeah. 10, out, know, of 10, friend, 10 out of 10 supporting actor. <laughs> you know, 10 out of 10. Gobber number one. I mean, I agree. He, he was a really good character. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a great performance from Craig Ferguson. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with all that. So I don't know if I can really add anymore. So yeah, I think I'll just start my closing statements here. Um, so thank you for listening. This has been Octavio Macias for I Can't Believe It's Not the Mouse. Addy, do you want to promote anything or just want to give any kind of shout outs? Mm, no, honestly, you guys should be listening to Octaviano's stuff more often. It's really interesting, pretty witty. He knows what he's doing. Just Just keep listening. It gets funner and funner the more you the more you follow us along. If you enjoyed this, you can always subscribe to my YouTube channel on um, at um, Psychon Films. You can also follow my my um, podcast at various uh, podcast listing sites. I'm on Podbean, Apple uh, Music, uh, or Apple Podcasts, whatever spotify so you know there's a variety of places you could just look up i can't believe it's not the mouse uh beyond that if you want to support me even more there's always my patreon which is www.patreon.com slash that's s-a-i-c-a-m-s uh so yeah patreon.com slash so yeah if you enjoyed that just support with anything you can it's always growing so you know Anything helps. And yeah, that's pretty much all I can say. Uh, Again, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope to see you again next time. We're dead. Whoa, 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 whoa. Where do you think you're going?